politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew for our life, our liberty, and our property, nobody else's. If that is your goal, well, we pretty much only have one show in town, the CR Podcast, to focus on those very issues and strategies. Great to be back here again Tuesday. Uh, brand new week for me. Sorry, I was out yesterday on travel, and I was hoping a long weekend I'd be able to come back and tell you, man, I have some earth-shattering new strategy or new revelation. But in reality, the same thing we've been suffering through applies now more than ever. Never before have we had more opportunities because of how radical and destructive the left is and unpopular a lot of their policies are, never before have we had this many opportunities to advance the ball forward on policy, on culture, on the issues that matter. But never before have we had such a chattering class on the right kind of touching on these issues, but never directing them to where they need to go. We don't have a movement in place to seize the moment when you have a new story, something in current events that really easily illustrates a certain policy or point you're trying to drive and say, oh, therefore, look at what happened. People are dying because of this. This is happening economy. This is happening to liberties. Therefore, in all the red states, we're going to do this. The budget, you know, federally with our control of the house, we're going to do that. Nope, doesn't happen. So I want to start out first with this case of this transgender shooting, yet another one in a church in Lakewood, Texas, that really touches all of the boxes, presses all the all the buttons here. Someone who basically was a transgender, should be an illegal alien, but finagled status, jailbreaked criminal with a long record, wound up remaining a out of jail and B, in the country, and then C, getting citizenship, and then promoting free Palestine, Hamas, to shoot up a Christian church, injures a five-year-old. And there are so many action items that that story cries out for, both on the tranny side and on the illegal immigration side. Yet, if you notice, we don't have a movement in place to direct that which is why the left, of course, wants to drop the story, but even those on the right talking about it aren't directing it to where it needs to go. The left always tells a story, and they use that story to drive policy. We must do the same on this and many other issues. Uh, Before we start out with that, our sponsor today is our friends at Birch Gold. You know, the CPI, we have another monthly inflation report came in very hot today. So for all that talk about inflation going down, it is a lie. Transportation's coming in very hot. Insurance is coming in hot. Shelter. So uh, um, if you don't have to eat or need shelter or travel anywhere, (laughs) then I guess maybe it's not so bad. But for the rest of us, this is really bad. We need to take control of our finances. The only way we're ever going to remain independent is by collapsing the Federal Reserve monopoly. I am going to do some shows on this in the coming days. On some of the bills that are percolating, uh, maybe we might be able to get one in Florida making 
gold and silver official currency and enabling people to hold bank accounts with them. But right now, Birch Gold will do it for you in terms of your retirement account. If you text Daniel to 989898 today, they'll send you a free info kit on investing in gold. And what does that mean? So I'm, I'm almost done my taxes for this year, and I'm going to owe a lot of money. I'm going to put about $13,000 into an IRA. So you know, half for my wife, half for myself. And rather than putting into the stock market at an all-time high, put into something of value, they will hold either gold or silver. And you'll see these options on the info kit. And you give them a call, they'll walk you through it, and you will have something of value. It is so, so vital. And this is really the first step. Start with your retirement accounts. Hopefully, we want to eventually get towards uh, you know just your regular spending accounts. That will hedge against inflation. Remember, I mean... You know, you, you look at shelter. Uh, shelter's been up about thirty-five percent over the last three years. Food's been up twenty, twenty-five percent, and these are just the government numbers. Which, I mean, I can't figure it out because I don't know about you, but my weekly food bill probably is double. We're talking about a hundred percent. So, you know, I don't know what they're counting with that. I, we've talked about that before. But anyway, text Daniel to nine eight nine eight nine eight today to get your free info kit investing in gold. So, folks, again, we have this situation where, if you've noticed, the left hates guns. So, you know, there was a period of time where they were obsessing about these shootings in order to get gun control. But now, suddenly, these stories don't last for more than an hour or two on the days that they that they occur. And if you've noticed, we've already had... Um, you know, the Iowa school shooter shooter was a transgender, uh, the Aberdeen shooter, the Nashville school shooter, the Denver shooter. There's there's a few more missing. And then now this church in Lakewood, uh, Texas. And <clears throat> what we find there is that as much as the left hates guns, they love the training agenda even more. So they've dropped these stories. They've dropped them like a hot potato, which is why we need to pursue them. And I want you guys to think about this. Think about this for a moment. So let's just talk about the trends aspect of this before we get to the immigration aspect. I mean, this, this literally touches on everything. So when, when, when we had the Uvalde shooter, okay, the Uvalde shooter, John Cornyn, the Texas senator, and this is where the shooting yesterday occurred, immediately joined with the left to seize the story for a policy outcome and expanded federal regulation over guns and uh, red flag lists. And, and they have already been used, by the way. There, there are prosecutions that have flown from those laws. Yet, in the same state, where you now have a tranny, a yet another tranny shooter, there is no impetus. There's no impetus on the right to uh, to go through every red state, right? I mean, we should be just shoving this in people's faces. And by the way, we have data on this. There's a new JAMA study. I mean, it's like a year old from the lead author is an NIH worker, Sarah Jackson. Compared with cisgender men, I mean, this is the terms they use. TGD people, I mean, I, I don't even know what that means, but trannies were three times as likely to die from suicide or homicide compared with cisgender women, yada, yada, 
who are more than five times as likely to die from suicide or homicide. So you have yet another case of a woman who then goes by Jeffrey, had a kid, but then you know made pretend to be a man, which likely meant that she was juiced up with testosterone and again goes out to do a mass shooting. So, you know, we talk a lot about the invasion, and this appears to be another one from El Salvador. So it checks that box. But also, this is part of the internal invasion, the invasion within, even without foreigners, just within this country, our government is inculcating the minds of our people to lock in on transgenderism. And then, you know, once you have a lot of them are autistic, a lot of it is mental disorder, they make everyone mentally disordered, you know, mentally ill, so they're vulnerable to gender dysphoria, and then they're vulnerable to their brain, to, to A, being violent because of the juiced up testosterone and also their brains locking on uh, you know what whatever the latest fad of the day is and the latest fad of the day is uh supporting Hamas so this story really checked all the boxes i mean all of them pretty crazy if you think about it so Right away, the, the left, you know, whenever there's a shooting, we need gun control. Boom, 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 boom. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> they already maxed out in the red states, despite the trend in the courts. You would think with the courts recognizes, recognizing an individual right to bear arms, they would back off. But, you know, when you had Sandy Hook and some of these others, every blue state maxed out. They would have done more if not for the courts. The capacity bans, the banning every common even pistol and certainly rifle as the so-called assault weapons. And they tightened up their gun laws in light of these stories. They used them and they jumped on it and they score. Where is the impetus in red states to go ahead and ban all the transgender stuff? In other words, we should have 25 states where chemical and certainly physical castration is completely banned, where drag shows are banned, where trendy bathroom use is banned, and where teaching about sexuality in schools is banned, right? That that should be in all 25 states. But it's only like, you know, a few of them, we have some of them type of deal. I'm going through them. Now... Most of them, we so so to be fair, most of them, we do have a law against castration. We still don't in places like, oh, um, well, Ohio, we just did, I guess. South Carolina and Wyoming are two states where um, that still needs to be done. But then you go to the, some of the other stuff, which is the grooming in the culture. Remember, this is really the invasion within. When you look at the data on the violence from these trannies and you look at how, you know, like we're up to 15% of all kids now identify as that. Could you imagine the violence that we're going to face in the coming years? So Republicans, just like the left does with the gun, they could use these stories to ban this stuff. But like, you know, I don't know, you, you look at the drag shows. How many states have done it? How many states have done it? 
Montana, Tennessee, Texas, Florida, North Dakota, I think, and maybe Arkansas. From what I can see, that's it. Correct me if I'm wrong, but all those other states don't have that. You know, what about the curriculum? What about the curriculum? We, we really only have, you know, again, some of the southern states. We have Florida, Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, Oklahoma, Texas, Arkansas, Kentucky, and I think we have Indiana now. That's less, less than half of the states. There's no impetus to, to ban this stuff. What about bathrooms? Okay, what about bathrooms? From what I can see, um, the only categorical bans I think I see is Florida and Utah, ironically, Utah, which has been bad on most other issues. Um, there are seven other states that banned it in schools only. But... In terms of universities and government-owned buildings and spaces, it's only Utah and Florida. And then again, even if you include the school bans, it's really maybe 10. And, and the reason I bring that up is because this is the sort of issue that we have the most traction on, the most tailwinds. And still... It's like, a, you know, clearly, le- except on the castration, we have more than 50%. But in the other three items, we have less than 50% of the red states with this stuff enacted. We, we have no effort to direct outcomes. Okay? And, and that's on the tranny stuff where we're really winning. But every time you have one of these things... Why aren't they directing policy? Obviously, they could add this to the budget bill to ban HHS from supporting all, all this sort of care, all the mutilation that's, that's leading to the hormone dysregulation and violence. We'll talk about the story, but we won't direct it towards an outcome the way the left does. The left has ready-packaged legal policy ideas that as soon as something happens and often they induce it boom they're ready to go anywhere they have control they have this in place yet you know here we are I mean everywhere I go uh, what I'm hearing from all my friends I literally just got one as I'm talking to you now um, about you know a bill on on you know with legal t- uh, tender you know in, in one of the states I'm working in making gold and silver silver legal it's dead. It's dead in the legislature. It's dead. We we, we don't support it. We, or you know, you know, we we support it, but we don't have the votes. And with everything going on in inflation, you can't use that. I mean, this is not your well-oiled machine of the Bill Clinton era, where what the radicalism was more subtle, but you know, they 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 were effective about about what they did. The economy was good. People were happy. Nobody's happy. Inflation, invasion, indoctrination, Islamicization. There's crazy stuff going on that even with the transformed population, it still is unpopular. But we don't direct it anywhere. 
So that's the first example of this. I want to go on to the immigration aspect, and then I want to go on to uh, some some of the other issues that we could be doing. First, our other sponsor today, as we languish in this fake Republican Party and conservative movement with no options, false choices. In other words, we have the equivalent in politics of, do you want T-Mobile, do you want AT&T, or do you want Verizon? But thankfully, when it comes to mobile service, you actually do have an option, a fourth one, that does not fund the left in China. That's Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative provider. Uh, They give you the same service. You get the same sort of um, access wherever you are in the country. Uh, Plus, they actually donate to legal foundations supporting religious freedom, free speech, and the sanctity of life, Second Amendment. And most importantly, when you call 972-PATRIOT and get free activation with offer code CR, you will be speaking to an American English speaker. They have the best customer service of all of them. Keep your phone, keep your number, join the movement, make the switch today, patriotmobile.com slash CR, or call 972-PATRIOT. So, folks, the other aspect here we had, this woman was evidently, she was in and out of county jail. She um, she had committed assault causing bodily injury before, forgery, assault on a public servant, evading arrest, unlawful carrying of a weapon, and theft. And yet, she had her removal canceled in 2010. Now, I don't know if she originally came here illegally and finagled a green card, or she legitimately got a green card. But whatever it is, it doesn't matter because if you're not a citizen and you commit a crime, you're just as bad as an illegal alien in the sense that, you know, you you shouldn't be here and you should go home. So here we have a woman like that, that under Obama's program, she had cancellation of deportation 2010. And yet she was still allowed to remain and commit more crimes. And not only not get deported but became naturalized in 2019 and voted in 2020, and then yesterday tried to shoot up a church under the guise of free Palestine. This is the sort of garbage we have in the country, and we have failed to have a movement in place to make the case. Now, everyone's talking about the border, but it's not just the border. It's our broad system that we have people in this country in the millions that people of all ideologies would agree are utter garbage that among the 8 billion people in the world, we could find much better people. And they remain at large in the country as ticking time bombs to commit crimes when they should be removed. Here is the point that should be made with this Lakewood shooter and be used again and again. States should be producing quarterly reports showing all the illegal alien or, or, or legal, but criminal aliens that haven't been removed, crime, on how needlessly they're threatening American people, and then use that to buttress state removals. Because right now we have the breakdown of the social compact. The entire purpose of a federal national government is to protect the sovereignty of the whole. So you have invaders or undesirables in this country that need to be removed. You know, if we have garbage in another country, which we do sometimes, they'll throw them out. Right? Why do you need, you know, we have enough of our own problems. I just looked up on ICE and I couldn't believe it because I've tracked this number over the years. It's grown exponentially. 
I want you to understand. There are 4.759 million illegal, uh, well, illegals or legal immigrants. So four and three quarter million on what's called ICE's non-detained docket, meaning they're under the crosshairs of ICE being targeted at various levels for removal, various stages and proceedings in the ridiculous system that needs to be changed, but they remain at large. Now, that is astounding given how this administration barely uses ICE. And yet still, there are four and three quarters of these individuals who remain at large in the country indefinitely. Now, if you are targeted by ICE, 90%, so about three quarters are illegal, a quarter are legal, from my understanding, but about 90% have committed other crimes in addition to coming here illegally. And, and certainly, I mean, under, under this administration. So I want you to understand that, that we have, I mean, th- that's not the full universe of criminal aliens in the country. That's even more. But from what ICE is targeting for removal, even under this broken system and this horrible administration, People who are non-citizens that have committed crimes and we are suffering endless recidivism when they could be out of the country. That is an existential threat. That is a breakdown of the social compact. And that is why states need to start a new program where if you are a non-citizen and you are caught with, you know, here, you are caught here having committed a crime, we need to start building the case for state-based removals. And like you know, Jessica Vaughn has talked about, one idea is threatening them with stiff jail time um, as leverage to offer them diversion. If they self-repatriate, they can get out of jail time as long as they leave the country. But I want you to understand how ubiquitous this is. This case you know, of this free Palestine woman Literally checks every box. Just I'm just picking out one fiscal year. Just in fiscal year 2018, ICE apprehended criminal aliens who together racked up 543,000 criminal convictions and arrests, including over 2,000 homicides, 5562 robberies, 11,700 weapons offenses, 50,700 assault charges, uh, 76,000 dangerous drug charges, um, over 12,000 sexual offenses, and over 80,000 DUIs. And by the way, the data doesn't include any criminal charge category that had fewer than 1,000 in number. And by the way, only 29% of those numbers were unconvicted charges. Meaning, so it's a mixture of um, convictions and charged but 70% are actually downright convicted. That's how much just ICE, with their limited, limited resources under the Trump administration, you know, netted in their sweep of that given fiscal year. Obviously, under Biden, it's gone down a lot more. 
We only have 6,000 deportation officers. Never get the job done. Okay? So, that's the story, folks. This is the story that is not being told. Not to say we don't have plenty of criminals committing crimes in America, because we certainly do. You know, American ones. But this is on top of it. Needless. See, the problem is, you know, there's a lot of offenses that even under our system, you're not going to lock them up forever. So you're going to always face this sort of problem. But for these guys, they should be out. Is it that hard? The presentation I just gave you in 10 minutes, is it that hard for Republicans to stand up there before the American people and make this case? Make the case with the budget fight. And, 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 that's, and, and, and that leads me to my third item. So we have, we have the tranny stuff. We have the criminal alien stuff. And then there's just the budget. What's so frustrating is we're literally two weeks away from this, two and a half weeks away from the next budget deadline, and there's no case being built. See, we have this Overton window thing of the Senate Republicans joining with the Democrats to not only not defund or refuse funding for the existing bad stuff, but they're passing this $95 billion foreign aid supplemental to make it even worse where most of it's Ukraine, some of it's Israel, but even the Israel part is completely countermanded by an equal amount of aid for Hamas. It's just it's just utterly insane. So you you fund both sides of the war and obviously the evil side as well. Where is the... All my colleagues are like the Langford bill or the Ukrainian bill. And I, I get it, but... So here here's what's happening now. It creates this fake Overton window of where the the Democrats are so far to the left. So then the Senate Republicans are really far to the left, but one jog away, all like a half a jog to the right. So that allows Mike Johnson as Speaker of the House. He's like dead on arrival. Now, I never had any doubt that a Republican House, so you have a radical Democrat trifecta, Republicans win last midterms, they win the House. Obviously, you're not going to pass new bad stuff. And they, they did pass a couple of bad stuff. Um, but you should be holding up the budget bill now. But now we've moved the goalpost that Mike Johnson gets to be a hero. All right, I'm not going to pass new bad stuff, but I am going to pass the Democrat budget. Well, what's the point? What's the point? I, I don't understand how with a senile president with inflation, invasion, indoctrination, the type of issues that we have to talk about. These are not like Gingrich's 1995 era where you know, you're know you really cutting back on welfare and there's a lot of people who depend on it. These are easy issues. And yet there's no, there's no guidance. And then finally, there's another way we could use the crisis. You know, aside from just the need to combat all the left-wing policies in the red states, but also, there's another argument that that will resonate now that a, a Biden's been exposed publicly as a complete vegetable. Is that he is not legitimately president. I mean, aside from the questions about the election, I'm just saying he is not legitimate. And now would be the perfect time to jujitsu that all my colleagues, ha, Biden is insane. Okay, we know that. How about if states would use that opportunity to push state sovereignty bills? I want to I wanna put out to you guys 
nullification bills, the best versions I've found. Tennessee has HB, no, yeah, HB 167. And where is this? An SB 2775. No, okay, SB 2775 and HB 2795. The House bill is Representative Holsey, and he really is the original author. I want to give him a lot of credit. A similar bill has now been sponsored by the Wyoming Freedom Caucus in Wyoming, HB 167. So look this up. Send it to all your states. But this is the perfect bill that I believe is is the number one thing we should be – we definitely number one thing we should be pushing in the states – as a force multiplier to get the people red-pilled, get people involved, break this notion of that federal supremacy over the states and judicial supremacy over every other branch, that we all have an equal responsibility to call a red flag on violations of the social compact. So what does this bill do? It literally involves everyone in nullification. So what it, what it allows is the state legislature through concurrent uh, resolution could um, declare a bill, a, a federal act, whether it's an act of Biden or even even a you know something from Congress or a federal court ruling unconstitutional and bans its implementation within that state. Um. Or the governor can issue an executive order declaring the federal policy void, or any member of the legislature could trigger a floor debate to vote on that nullification, or any state court can declare a policy unconstitutional if it arises during the course of you know, a legitimate case. Any combination of 10 local governing authorities, cities, count- counties could band together either in their respective executive or legislative branches and submit a petition for nullification that will trigger a vote in the legislature or any group. I I didn't check the Wyoming bill, but in Tennessee of 2000 citizens, this is a very empowering bill because you're like, what what can we do? 2000 citizens, you get together, it could force a vote in the legislature. And then if they vote in the affirmative, it would nullify that bill. This is a beautifully written bill. Would finally restore constitutional supremacy by calling upon the whole of the people and all of their respective branches of government to scrutinize federal policies against an original standard of a constitutional ter- interpretation. And it's really a fulfillment of what our founders had in mind what we would do when the feds usurp power like they do today. So that's another action item. Again, with all the melees. See, what, what what's happening is the Democrats, their policies are harmful. They're destructive. Nobody is happy with the direction of the country. But their stuff keeps continuing for the most part. And we're not directing it anywhere because we don't use the news stories. Biden's illegitimacy the invasion, the tranny stuff, to do something with it, like the left does. We don't harness the moment. And again, I don't understand why the budget deadline is not the big thing. Because we're allowing Johnson to set himself up 
by being a hero and saying, oh, well, look, you know, I, I blocked the Ukraine thing. But, but that's obvious. You get that for free. <laughs> it should never be a question that you don't affirmatively pass something bad out of the House. The idea is to block other bad stuff that we're never passing Schumer's budget bill. That should be where we're headed. That's where it's at. This is where this is what we need to fight for. So um that's where we are with this issue. But it raises a question. Why don't we have such a movement in place? Why don't we have this movement in place? And I'll tell you why we don't have the movement in place. Because for years, like a bunch of idiots, this entire movement allowed them to rape us on our own ground, in our own states, in our own primaries, and wouldn't pay attention. And then when we finally gained traction after several cycles, 2010, 2012, 2014, in comes Trump and endorses every one of these things. Again, all my colleagues are noting, you know, the Senate passed 70 to whatever, you know, 70 votes in support of this Ukraine bill and Hamas bill. And they note that there's 22 Republicans who voted for it. And every one of them, almost everyone, is from a deep red state. Now, by the way, just among the 29 who voted no, a good number of them are hope yes, vote no. Um... This is the first time they're voting, though. Like, for example, um, the two Nebraska dudes, uh, um, uh, Fisher and Ricketts, are in cycle. Barrasso's in cycle. And in a past universe, they would have voted against us. And this is why we need a new party, because they play this game on us. Like I said, the ones retiring, and they always have enough Republicans retiring and ones in cycle, you know, screwing us. Um, or, or they get a, you know, well, the ones in cycle get a pass and the ones out of cycle and the, or the, the ones retiring get to screw us. And they always have enough to give Democrats 60 votes with that. But really, there's a lot more than that work together. It's not like the other 29 have their hair on fire. It's maybe 10, 12. And you look down that list, and like I said, out of the 22, I believe 18 out of the 22, Trump endorsed even in a primary. And two of them are up right now. Two of them actually are in cycle. Wicker in Mississippi and Kramer in North Dakota. They voted for the bill. And and even then, everyone's talking about the bill, the bill. This is, I mean, think about this. Everyone's focused on that. Not on the budget, but they're focused on that. Okay, great. But it's never taken to the next level. It's never harnessed. So therefore, what? I just got the ball on the field. So therefore, what? Do I throw a pass? Do I try to score a point? Do I try to kick a field goal? What are you going to do with it? So what's interesting is Charlie Kirk, I saw, on Twitter, seems to kind of be tracking with what I'm doing. And he said the following. Senator Roger Wicker is up for primary vote in Mississippi next month. I'm under no illusions. He's likely to win. But I wonder why he's running in the first place. He doesn't represent the people of Mississippi. If he votes to fund Ukraine, he should retire and go become a czar of Ukraine, where his loyalty truly is. Politely call him and let him know how you feel. Look, I 
appreciate Charlie kind of skating around the issue a little bit. I'm glad he he indulged it, but it's a little bit weird. His his like action item, his punchline. He should retire. Well, he's not going to do it on his own. I mean, um, call him. He's likely to win. Why not name Dan Eubanks? Why not have Dan Eubanks on your show so he could raise money? And moreover, if you're that close with Donald Trump, there's a big point you're leaving out. You say, I'm under no illusions he's likely to win. Well, there's something interesting going on there. There's a factor that's kind of fueling that. Donald J. Trump has endorsed him. Charlie, Steve Bannon, all these guys, Dan Bongino, why are you not picking up the phone that you clearly have you know, and saying, hey, we all agree this bill is terrible. Don Jr. is tweeting about it, whatever. I, I tweeted at Don Jr. today. I said, why don't you ask your dad to rescind the endorsement? Right, he and and you know until now it was kind of like, well, what are you going to do? You're already caught. You endorsed him, but here you have a perfect impetus to say, wait a minute, you you betrayed us. Mind you, he's been betraying us for for over ten years before Trump issued the endorsement. But fine, here's a way out. They, I mean, this is totally in their hands. This is within their sphere of influence, their pressure point. This is a red state with Trump's endorsement in a primary next month. With a Freedom Caucus legislator challenging, you could totally do this. Yank the endorsement and endorse Dan Eubanks. Then come back to me if he's likely to win. I'm not saying this for sure, but then it will make it a race. Last minute. There's a second candidate, two running. I'm not as familiar with, but that's fine because he's a runoff. As long as you vote for either one, you knock the guy down to blow 50. But you see what I mean? Even with the big focus of the Tucker-Trump movement, which is Ukraine, is their number one issue, and I, I certainly agree with them. Right in front of us, a month away from his primary in cycle, and he, and, he vote, and that's very rare. It's very rare that they do that. So Wicker is giving us this vote. But so confident is Wicker that Trump will not pull his endorsement, and he won't be pressured by all these sycophants to pull the endorsement, that he could just... Screw us in broad daylight. That's the problem. It's unbelievable to me that this is continuing to go on. Same thing with, with Kramer in North Dakota. And again, because of this, because the perception, rightly so, is that I'm under no illusions that a challenger will win, is why we don't even get recruitments. Because who wants to run knowing Trump's going to endorse against you? And this leads me, again, you want to know why we don't have a movement in place. I personally worked. I could tell you every one of those people on that list who voted for the bill, I either tried to preempt them from coming into the Senate and certainly opposed them at every opportunity. Every single one. There is none of these guys that are on the top 30 in iTunes could tell you that. But anyway... Even this cycle, even new races. So Trump comes in and Christy Nome comes in because it's all one movement now. And they endorse Sheehy over Matt Rosendale for Senate in Montana. Mike Lee endorses Rosendale. So you see who's the real conservative. Matt Rosendale is one of the top five conservatives in the House. 
And a lot of people are hiding behind this business of, well, Daniel, you know, Matt's a good guy, but I don't think he could win. He he already challenged Tester last time in 2018. Couple things about that. First of all, folks, when has losing candidates ever stopped Trump or the NRSC, either one, from endorsing? Right? They endorsed McSally a second cycle after she, McSally lost both seats in Arizona. Okay? Oz was the most unwinnable candidate. Trump endorsed him, no problem. Herschel Walker, so many personal problems, no problem. Okay. <clears throat> let let let's just be honest. Had Rosendale said nice things, he would have endorsed Rosendale. It had nothing to do with that. It's because Rosendale didn't take his call when Rosendale was doing what Trump's base wanted, which was opposing Kevin McCarthy. And Trump's supporters were bashing Rosendale for not being quick enough to endorse Trump over DeSantis. So so now we have Mitch McConnell's hand-picked candidate, literally, McConnell and McCarthy, and they call in an airstrike against one of our guys, and you want to know why it's like this. Forget about the last 20 years and the last 10 years. Even this cycle with this great reawakening-based nuanced, enlightened MAGA movement, we're still in broad daylight in red states endorsing new bad guys. Do you think Sheehy's going to buck McConnell in the Senate? I don't know anything about him. He's a random guy that they recruited. But if McConnell recruited him so that you don't get Rosendale, what do you think is going to happen? But you know what? They're winning. They're going to dry up his fundraising. You have the NRSC, and these guys were, and, and by the way, um, you know, it's interesting. The NRSC just endorsed Carrie Lake against a much better guy, Sheriff Mark Lamb. So Carrie Lake lost last time. So that's never a, notice that that's, that's never a problem. Never inhibits them. Never inhibits their endorsement. Again, I, I don't I don't want to talk about Trump very often. But my hope was you win, you focus on president, I focus on this. But Trump is permanently cementing a relationship with the worst elements of the establishment, but lending his name to that establishment to screw us on every endorsement. He's still doing this. And now McConnell and McCarthy know that they could just call in airstrikes on our guys. And, and you look forward. This is the bench we're building. And then Christy Nome comes in and endorses. They're raping our movement. The very people that we fought a decade ago to, to get out of our movement, Trump brought them back. Brought them back. It's like, it's like what King Xerxes said to Haman. When, when uh, it looked like he was attacking Queen Esther. Are you going to attack my own queen in my own house? Trump is raping our own movement under our own banner. Broad daylight. And it's all good. It's all good. All these sycophants. Yeah, Daniel. 
I, 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 you know, we need to win back the Tenet. It's like, what's so funny about the, the, the MAGA people is they're like the same homosexuals I dealt with 15 years ago that it's always this bean counting of, well, it's a more moderate one is going to win the seat. Dude, if you can't win in Montana, then you're done anyway. And there's no evidence that she's going to be more electable. And by the way, to the extent you want to hold it against Rosendale for coming up a few points short against Tester in, in 2018, that was a horrible year for Republicans. And gee, why was that a horrible year for Republicans? Oh, yeah, that's right. Who was at the t- you know, who was the president at, at the time? Grew the Democrats from five to 17 trifectas. But you look forward. <coughs> you look forward. And, you know, he is remaking the party with a bunch of McConnell-McCarthy acolytes who are just putting on a red hat. See, they're not stupid. They know Trump will likely be done after this year. So they're using Trump, empowering them to control the party well beyond us. Your Christy gnomes will be destroying us for years to come. Years to come. That's the story. So, so think about this. I've never talked to Chip about this, but I would love for Chip Roy to run for governor of Texas. But instead, it's going to be either people like Ronnie Jackson, another congressman who's a Trump guy, or Ken Paxton. Now, Ken would be better than Abbott, but not as good as Chip. Ronnie Jackson recently called chip a pain in the in the rear end but they got they got the the red blood so they're good to go it is so stupid how we short-circuited a primary and 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 allow trump to skate by without a debate like i told people i said look A primary is the only time you have for the guy to pander to you. Now there is zero incentive for Trump to pander to the right. And all he is going to do now is is move left and want to solidify his alliance with the establishment. And that, that, that leads me to the next story. Where is this? From Politico. Trump is announcing his support to North Carolina GOP Chair Michael Watley to succeed Rona McDaniel as the leader of the Republican National Committee. He wants Watley to be chair. He wants his daughter-in-law, Lara Trump, to be co-chair. And then he wants his campaign manager, Chris LaSavita, to be um, <coughs> the COO. So right off the bat, Right off the bat, the Lara Trump thing is the woman puts out exercise and singing videos. I mean, really, that 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 that's someone who's going to be effective at the job. It's all about minting the party with your loyalship. But 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 notice, it's not like he's appointing Steve Bannon or Charlie Kirk or Dan Bongino. Notice, it's the left end of the MAGA movement that only has the Trump loyalty without any of the ideology that you and I would agree with. And then the other two guys are just straight up, straight up relics of Bush. Chris Savita was a Bush era guy. All right, you want to say he's an effective campaign manager, so you want to tap him fine, but then 
now control the RNC. Chris Lasavita is a is the type of guy that at the RS, RNC will come down like a hammer on any of our candidates. And then Michael Watley, he um <clears throat> he's a lawyer. He worked um in the Bush administration and he was chief of staff for US Senator Elizabeth Dole. He was also a senior advisor to the Bush Cheney campaign as well as the Trump Pence Campaign and transition team. This guy is a total establishment guy. That's what I'm saying. All these wild-eyed like Brucewitz and Laura Loomer, they're not going to be appointed to nothing. I mean, not that I'd want them, but I'm just saying, you know, these wild-eyed types. This is what he has. He has these wild-eyed freaks and then just plain establishment. So the wild-eyed freaks rile up everyone and gets the base to support him. And then it's all the establishment guys that get the you know, the positions. So I don't want to hear these complaints. Everyone's like, it's terrible. Look at the wino supporting Ukraine. Hey, schmucko, you have this cycle right in front of us. He's screwing us in North Dakota. He's screwing us in Wyoming. He's screwing us in Mississippi. And then he's screwing us in West Virginia. He's screwing us in Montana. Even this cycle. And what's his focus? Not getting out those people. This from Rolling Stone. Trump plans to make Ron DeSantis a political eunuch. Where is this? According to two sources with knowledge of the matter, another person briefed on it. The former president has continued to ridicule DeSantis in conversations. He says the governor doesn't have a future in the party. Um, and he he's basically... Up, continuing to go to war with him. And what all of this demonstrates, watch his decisions carefully. All the people that on paper agree with you and I on the vaccines and on Ukraine and on, on really everything about the party establishment, they have no influence on this man. It's a runaway train. Like, I, I literally don't understand, and I'm not trying to pick a fight here. I am genuinely happy that Charlie Kirk is going down the roster and looking at who is in cycle. And he noticed that Roger Wicker is in cycle. But rather than say, oh, yeah, unfortunately, he's probably going to win, but make sure you call his office. It's a shame. Why aren't you calling Trump and saying, pull your endorsement and endorse Dan Eubanks? I, I don't get it. For the life of me, I don't understand this. See, they're like, oh, in Montana, we have testers and a, a, a unique, popular Democrat in Montana. We got to, all right, let, let, let's say I agree with that. But in Mississippi, there's no threat of losing the general election there. Ditto for North Dakota. Why, why are you endorsing those people? <clears throat> you know, and it's not too late to get a recruit in North Dakota. I promise you, I, I actually know a person I have in mind. If Trump were to make it clear that he's rescinding the endorsement of Kevin Kramer in North Dakota for Senate and that he would endorse someone who runs against him, there are people who would run. But we can't have nice things. And you know why we can't have nice things? 
Here's a conversation I want to point to you from Roger Marshall. Roger Marshall is a senator from Kansas. Okay? Senator from Kansas. Now, he's not one of the real bad guys, but he's not one of the better guys. He actually defeated Tim Hulskamp for the House seat in Kansas. Tim was one of the best House members, and this guy ran with the support of the ag lobby. So we actually lost the seat there. Typical establishment guy. But here's what he offered publicly, according to Politico. I believe it's Politico. Yeah. Roger Marshall met privately with former President Donald Trump this weekend. No Ukraine discussion per Marshall. Quote, it was all political discussion. No policy to my disappointment. He wanted to say thanks for my endorsement. So this guy was willing to admit like, hey, look, you know, I endorsed him. He thanked me for it. But I actually wanted to talk policy with him. He was only interested in politics. This is what the sycophants in my my orbit either don't understand or they don't want to admit. This is not a man who wakes up every day and says, how, like we're talking about, how do I utilize a news cycle to push the envelope on the tranny issue, on the illegal immigration issue, on the Ukraine issue, on state sovereignty, on 10th Amendment, on cutting spending, on getting rid of the Green New Deal. This is a man who wakes up every day and it's literally just about himself. Do you not see that? I was like, all right, you know, let him focus on his primary or his general election now. And we'll focus on the states, the budget battle, the down ballot primaries where we can make a difference. But we're not making a difference. And the reason we're not making a difference is because his tentacles have cemented the establishment with more power than they had. They were losing power in 2014. But now they got smart. They just merge with Lara Trump and Don Jr. and get their guys in there. And now when he leaves, likely at the end of the year, you will have a new revitalized establishment that has learned how to press the right buttons, use the right talking points, make the right associations. All the while, the policies remain the same. And folks, that's just the way it is. I wish it weren't that way. I wish I didn't have to focus on this guy. This guy is a nuclear bomb, not on the Democrats, not on the establishment, but on the grassroots insurgency that claims to hate the Uniparty. If you want to know why nothing changes, and you in conservative media lament this Ukraine vote, look no further than the mirror. And then you will discover the problem. So folks, start off to a slow start this week, but jumped right in it. Send the show to every one of your friends and relatives. Again, it's a perspective you will not hear elsewhere on a multitude of issues. All the opportunities we have to push stuff, the state's budget bill at, at a federal level, the trainee stuff, inflation, invasion, indoctrination, yet we don't do it. Primaries, we have an opportunity, yet we don't do it. Opportunity to get Trump on the right side of things, yet they won't do it. So without that, nothing will change unless we make a change. Till tomorrow, God bless you all, and thank you for listening. 